Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello. And welcome to another Ars Blog Arscast on arsblog.oleole.com. There's a whole world of Arscast goodness coming your way right after this theme music. Welcome to another Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog. Well, where else would you get an Arsblog Arscast? You might get some kind of cheap, inferior, rip-off, knock-off Arscast somewhere else, but an Arsblog Arscast can only be got here on Arsblog. Maybe there's people in China, those factories that churn out uh, versions of Windows and films and software and Rolexes. Maybe they're making fake arsecasts. That'd be awful, wouldn't it, sitting in the pub one night? Would you like to buy this Rolex? Well, no, I know that it's going to cost me £12, and it'll last for about three days, and then it'll all just go and blow up. And no, I'm sorry, I don't necessarily want the latest Lindsay Lohan film. I know it's very tempting, yes... You have it on DVD before it's even come out on straight to DVD here. But, you know, I don't want it. She's just got too many freckles. Let's face it. Oh, what's an R? You've got arse casts. Okay, well, yeah, give me a, give me a half an ounce of arse casts there. Yeah. So the only place to get your genuine, realistic, bona fide, 100% pure proper Arsecast is here on Arsblog. And coming up on this show, Amy Lawrence will be along shortly to talk about uh, Arsenal and Arshavin and Robin Van Persie and all kinds of other stuff. As well as that, we've got Amari Bischoff, P.I. Uh, we've got a culture corner for you to bring you some um, culture. Yeah. Uh, and there's other stuff too, but I can't quite remember what that is at this moment in time. So, uh, as is usual, we talk about what's happened between the last Arscast and this Arscast. Well, let me tell you, January's been quite a dry month for me, but the Mug Smasher, bastard that he is, is going to Sydney tomorrow uh, for a holiday for, for two weeks. And I wouldn't say necessarily I was jealous, but uh, what's more than jealous? Very jealous? Double jealous? Jealousorific? Yeah, well, that's how I feel, because he's got sun and sea and sand and beach and beer and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we went out for a couple of pints last night, so that's what the thing is. And now that I'm back home, 
I've a little glass here and uh, it's got um, Gentleman Jack, which is nice. I enjoy that. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so that's kind of what's happened. There was a wagon and now the wagon is over there and I'm off it ever so slightly. Ever so slightly in a good way, a healthy way. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, in a football sense, so we should talk about what's happened since the last Arscast. Well, there was Cardiff, wasn't there? Uh, on Sunday and uh, not having the channel at home I, I, I rang up the mug smasher and I said can I come over to your house and watch that game would you mind awfully and he said no by all means come over and then at the end of the game I said look I'm terribly sorry really for inflicting that upon you I know you probably could have done something better with your Sunday like gouge your own eyes out the game against Cardiff wasn't good we didn't play well I thought uh had we been playing a better team, they probably would have been ahead in the first 15-20 minutes because Cardiff were excellent. They made chances, they flashed shots and headers wide, left and over, all kinds of stuff. Whereas we just kind of flutered around, doing doing not very much. Um, it's difficult to say we really deserved anything from the game. Uh, Emmanuel Abue was booked for diving, prompting the mug smasher to suggest that his natural position was lying down. Hard to argue with that, you know. Aaron Ramsey back at his old club. The occasion was a bit too much for him. He had a, a pretty poor game. Um, It just didn't happen for us on the day. And so Cardiff nil, Arsenal nil, means a replay on Tuesday. And I hope we'll do an awful lot better. And then we had Everton. And uh, to me, Everton was a hugely, hugely important game because uh, Aston Villa had won the night before to put themselves six points clear of us. So uh, for us to stay in contention, we needed the three points against Everton. It didn't happen, obviously. Uh, we were we were awful, though. I mean, I was watching it and I was just terrible. And Everton don't have a striker. On the pitch. They're playing with six midfielders. And I know Cahill's a good player, but they don't have a striker. And yet they go ahead, which is uh, just par for the course for our season. Defending was awful. It really was. You've got to ask questions of uh, Denilson and Sanya uh, for allowing the cross to come in so easily. And then Gail Clichy was the one marking Tim Cahill. I always wondered why it's called... Over here, if somebody's called Cahill, they're called Cal. We call him Cal. John Cal. Not Cahill. So why is it Cal? And and the same thing with, with Martin Keown. We don't have a Keown here, but we used to have we have people called McKeown. We call them McKeown, not McKeown. But anyway, that's straying off the point. But uh Tim Cal he got the goal. And it was no surprise that he got it because he's that kind of popping up in the wrong place to score a goal against your cunt that you always meet. Uh, <clears throat> and it didn't really look as if we were going to get something out of the game. Uh, midfield was uh, atrocious in terms of creativity. They worked pretty hard, but, you know, they didn't provide anything for the strikers. We had um, Adi Bayor. And I was a big defender of Adibayor last year. And a lot of people said, oh, he's, you know, 30 goals. Yeah, he's still a wanker. And I was going, well, you know, he still scored 30 goals. How can you call him a wanker? Look at how hard he works. 
Even when he doesn't score, he puts in so much effort for the team. Look at him running about the place. Like a madman. Look at him. From one side of the pitch to the other. He's chasing down defenders. He's making life hard for them. So even if he doesn't score a goal in the game, he's doing all right. And at the end of the day, he scored 30 goals in the season. So you can't really argue with that. Now, he's got his big pay rise. And it seems running about the place and chasing defenders is somewhat beneath him. He was awful. He was like Thierry Henry. Except not the Thierry Henry that scored all those goals and was a brilliant player. The Thierry Henry that would have sulky days and throw his arms in the air and give out. The problem is, of course, that Adibayor doesn't have half the talent of Thierry Henry. You look at the goal when it came, and we'll come to Robin Van Persie in a moment, and if you look at the replays, you see the ball go over the defence into Adibayor, and who is up there charging into the middle to just in case there's a rebound that he might pop in? William Gallas. Now, you will know I'm not the biggest William Gallas fan in the entire world. But Gallas, for everything you might say about him, was in a better position to pick up a rebound from Van Persie's shot than our centre-forward, Adi Bayor, who was just standing on the edge of the box, looking. I have lost count in the last number of games that I've watched Arsenal how many times Adi Bayor has dropped deep, given the ball to somebody to cross into the box... And he is standing outside the area. And whatever you might say about him, he's pretty decent in the air. He scored a good load of headers for us. But he's standing outside the area. What is he doing? Who is telling him to stand out there? Why is nobody saying, you, you big lanky cunt, get in the box? Because when the cross comes in, if you're actually in there, you've got a better chance of scoring. Because you can't magic the ball in with your brain from outside the box. So Adibayor was uh, disappointing. Uh, But Robin Van Persie is continuing to impress throughout the month of January. Uh, He has stepped up to the plate, as they say. He's hit it out of the ballpark. He's doing the business. He really is. Um, When many people had doubts. I mean, there can be no doubt about his talent. But his um, ability to produce consistently... Uh, has always been under question a little bit, I think. And uh, throughout the month of January, though, he has shown he's a very, very important player uh, to this Arsenal team. Uh, Maybe he's a guy that should be captaining the team when uh, Colo is out and when Fabregas is out. I don't see the point of uh, Almunia being the captain. Give it to Van Persie. If any player over the last couple of years has led by example, uh, we're seeing it now from Robin Van Persie. It's fantastic. Uh, so there you go. Uh, but 1-1 against Everton, not the result that we necessarily needed. Five points now behind Aston Villa. Of course, there are loads of games to go. 15 games still to go in the league. Uh, but my fear, of course, is that while people might say Villa will drop points, of course they'll drop points between now and the end of the season, but so will we. I don't see us winning 15 games in a row. just will not happen. So we've got to hope that Villa drop more points than we do. So I suggest that if anybody knows a witch doctor or a voodoo guy or uh, what would you call someone, a gypsy that could put a curse on someone or I don't know. But if you know somebody like that who's got special magical powers and they're not necessarily using those powers for good, 
Because if they were, you could say, make Arsenal better. But a lot of these people, as you know, will use their powers only for evil. So we'll get them to put uh, bad tidings upon uh, Aston Villa. And that way we might just get into the Champions League next season, yeah? That's how it's got to run. Seriously, bad vibes. Throw out the bad vibes to Villa. Okay, all right. Uh, well, that's enough talk about what's happened between the last Arscast and this Arscast. Uh, we need somebody now to make a little bit of sense. I think it's vital that we have at least some proportion or percentage of this Arscast that makes that makes sense in any way. So uh, it's not going to be me, and it probably is going to be Amy Lawrence, because she always does. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Now, normally when we've spoken this season, it's been all doom and gloom and you've come in at bad times, so we're going to try and keep it as positive as possible today. Excellent. Um, uh, so I won't talk too much about Everton uh, on, on Wednesday night. Uh, obviously, the performance left a, a lot to be desired, but um, should we take heart from the fact that it is a decent point on the face of it uh, against a team that are playing well, that are difficult to beat, uh, and and the team has showed, uh, let's say, character to keep going to get the late goal. I think what's difficult about all this is that if Aston Villa hadn't been the luckiest team since um, the history of football in the last month or so, um, or words to that effect, that actually Arsenal's little run lately would would look rather decent um, and it's just unfortunate that obviously it's a bit of it's perceived as a two-way chase at the moment for fourth although that that's a little bit misleading because Villa are entitled to possibly look further up uh, on the basis of the run they've had and um, uh, Arsenal still have to be cautious about um, teams like Everton so it's not it's not exactly a straight fight for fourth but it's it's being viewed as that and because Villa are um, really on a, on a magnificent run in terms of their results. Anything other than winning every game for Arsenal looks like a setback. But actually, the, the, the run on the whole has, has been reminiscent of, um, in a way, that, that the, uh, what used to be the trend for Arsenal when Arsene Wenger first arrived and there was that traditionally appalling um, spell in sort of November or, or, or sometimes even a bit of October and December. And what would usually happen after that is the team would just be solid without being very brilliant and just get back to being unbeaten for a while and picking up a few narrow wins. And that would then be the springboard for the confidence to come back uh, to have a bit more of a charge in the latter part of the season. In the old creatine days, that would really kick in and away Arsenal went. So... From that point of view, yes, let's be encouraged that um, that the team remains unbeaten. And also, obviously, Van Persie is... Um, he's done something quite unexpected in, in my eyes uh, this season, which is really steps up in terms of leadership. Everybody has always known about Van Persie, that he's um, tremendously skillful, uh, sometimes a bit of a luxury player in that... Um, the consistency wasn't always there. The team play wasn't always there. But what he's done at a time when the team so dearly, dearly needs it and there's so much inexperience and there's such a fundamental lack of leadership, what with um, Fabregas out and with what happened with Gallas, you have to give Van Persie an enormous pat on the back and say, well done for stepping up and basically saying, I'll lead this team because that's what he's done. Well, he has done as well. Um, apparently, he's well, uh, stats will, will tell us he's been involved in or scored every single goal uh, in January involving Arsenal. And um, at a time, like you say, when uh, we needed someone to step up, 
uh, in the absence of Fabregas, etc., etc. He's done that. Um, at the same time, we look at someone maybe like Annie Bayor, who's who's really struggling this season compared to last season. Yeah, and that, again, is, it, it puts even more emphasis on how well Van Persie has done because he's really shouldering that burden. Uh, he's shouldering the burden for scoring, he's shouldering the burden for creating, and he's shouldering the burden for um, uh, for, for leadership up front and consistency. And I just think that you know, he's not been affected by the fact that there are quite a lot of other players in the team at the moment that are struggling a bit for form. Um, nobody would pretend that the midfield combination at the moment is the perfect balance of um, graft and craft. So Van Persie has to come back and make his own chances sometimes. Um, and he's holding up the ball better. He's drifting around. He's just, his all-round game is so much improved. And at the beginning of the season, obviously everybody was just saying, "Let's let's get Van Persie through a season without an injury," and nobody really had a huge amount of faith that that was going to happen. But he was getting through games at the beginning of the season without being very brilliant, and I think I have to admit that I was one uh, of the people who doubted whether he was really going to ever reach the levels that people hoped for Robin. Um, towards the beginning of the season and now I'm very happy to say I was wrong and um, he's proved to be uh, a much more productive um, player for the team than than after his you know, terrible seasons with injury than I thought was possible. Are you surprised, given the, the issues that many people identified before uh, Christmas, let's say, before the turn of the new year and Arsenal had had that poor run and lost five league games, uh, before the end of October. Um, are you surprised now that Arsene hasn't been more uh, active in the transfer market? We do obviously have this ongoing Arshavin saga, which nobody really knows uh, where it's going to end up. But uh, for many people, he hasn't necessarily addressed the issues uh, that we identified, let's say, the central defence and central midfield, particularly, again, in the absence of Fabregas. Yeah, I mean, it's... It just shows that either the financial restrictions or Arsene's stubbornness are even more extreme than we ever thought possible. Because I think coming up to January, everybody thought, yeah, yeah, all right. Nice try, Arsene. It's a lovely idea, but come on, you know, you need to bring in some experience. Or come on board, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on with the debts and it's not a good time, but, you know, find a bit of cash. And the fact that um, it's been such a struggle to to bring in... uh, not just one player, but even uh, you know the, the two or three that were needed to help the squad to really push on. Um, it, it's quite difficult for Arsenal fans to stomach. But you listen to Arsenal saying, "Look, when everybody comes back fit, look what a great team we'll have," and that's a, a beautiful idea in principle. But the practice is that they're not here, and you can never be sure how long it, it's going to take for any of these players to come back, given. Um, how common it is to have setbacks with this particular um, squad at the moment. Mm, yeah. I mean, so, that- One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So therefore, it's a lovely idea to say, well, let's just wait for all these guys to come back and won't we be brilliant when Rosinski's back and Walcott's back and Eduardo's back and Fabregas is back. And let's be honest, a performance like the Everton one... It's not a surprise that you're lacking in creativity when four of the most creative players at the, at the club are getting treatment. Um, but it would be foolish to say that that's the only area that needs strengthening. And um, the other thing, I've banged this drum zillions of times, it's so boring now, but whenever you look at um, a video of, of uh, or clips of, of the successful teams of recent years, it always um, hits you in the face how much physically bigger and stronger those players were than the current squad. And um, I think it would have been useful to perhaps bring in just a few big, bad, ugly bodies as well, um, as well as somebody of the classic creative type like Arshavin. Do you think um, Arshavin is, is likely to, if he does arrive, obviously he's a very good player, um, uh, and we know he's uh, he's got this creative thing that 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 we're missing at the moment. However, he he has been um, in preseason training. The Russian league is finished. Uh, it does take foreign players time to adapt. Particularly, we we've seen Russian players struggle when they come to the Premier League. Um, do you think he can make an impact if he does arrive? Well, I'm not sure that um, Arsene Wenger would have put so much effort into trying to bring him in if he didn't think he was going to have value between now and the end of the season. Um, it's unusual, uh, increasingly, uh, increasingly unusual to spend fairly big money on a player and not do your homework, find out what kind of character they are, what kind of trainer they are, do they keep themselves in good shape, uh, are they going to have a bit of um, metal for the fight, etc., etc. Um, either uh, Arsene has done his homework properly and is convinced enough that he'll be ready, maybe not straight away, but fairly quickly to provide some um, impetus. Or he's been blinded by the absolute brilliance of Arshavin's performances in um, the European Championships, which were truly brilliant. And, and if he does arrive and is capable of playing like that, he's absolutely worth £15 million. Pounds. Uh, certainly a better option than a Uh Amy, <laughs> we better leave it there for this week. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks very much to Amy. She'll be back on another Arscast in the very near future, making more sense than Captain Sensible crossed with Super Ted. I don't know. What would happen if... Imagine. What would happen if, for example, Batman went out for the night, right? And he went out and he went to this bar and he picked up this chick and he brought her back to his mansion and they did all the bat business. And it turned out it was Lois Lane, who was just out to make Superman jealous. And she told him, like Lois Lane on her Facebook said, Oh, just got it on with Batman last night. 
That would be her Facebook status. And Superman, when he gets up in the morning, he'd be all like, oh, go check my email. Oh, oh, holy crap. Lois Lane just shagged soup or Batman. Is there a code of honor between superheroes whereby they would say, well, look, you know, we're the good guys. We may not always agree on everything, but we're the good guys. If we start fighting each other, then we give license to the likes of Lex Luthor and the Green Lantern and all these guys. Harvey Dent, Two-Face, the Joker, the Riddler, etc. If we start fighting each other, these guys are just going to take over. Does that mean that like one superhero could do anything he wants to the other superhero without fear of recrimination? Of course, he wouldn't be a good guy if he did something really bad, but just kind of getting it on with the other guy's girlfriend, like, you know. Like if Superman then pissed off with, with Batman, went off and got it on with Spider-Man's girlfriend, it'd be a difficult thing to solve after a while, wouldn't it? Because eventually everyone would have slept with everyone because all the good guys would have run out. So unless you got a new good guy in, all the good guys would have slept with each other's good guy's girlfriends and stuff. And nobody could complain. You could say, well, you stuck with my girlfriend. Yeah. So what, man? You went over to Silver Surfer's girlfriend there last week. Okay, look, I can't say anything. It's a difficult world, the world of superheroes, you know. Amari Bischoff, P.I. Sometimes when a guy walks into the office, he's got trouble written all over his face. This guy had trouble literally written all over his face. He said it was because he lost a bet with some guy called Ray Lamontagne, but that's not important right now. What do you want, I said. It's my wife, he said. She's driving me mad. How do you mean, I said. Well, he said, I got a whole load of old clothes. I want to go get some new ones. She takes the old ones that Amanda's, brings them back and says, See, your old clothes are just like new clothes. I got a 1972 Ford Fiesta done 427,000 miles. It nearly fell apart the other day. I brought it to the garage. I said, I got to get a new car. She said, it's in the garage. When it comes back, it'll be like getting a new car. It's not like a new car. I said, it's like an old car that's been repaired. I want a new car. Sounds bad, I said. But what do you want me to do about it? Nothing, he said. I just needed to get that off my chest. More from Amari Bischoff P.I. on another Arsecast in the very near future. Now, I know this hasn't been a particularly good week, really, in terms of football for Arsenal. Uh, And it hasn't been a particularly easy season in many regards. On the back of what happened last season, having been in such a great position, losing players like Flamini and Gilberto in the summer, not replacing them, blah, 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 losing games. It's been difficult and disheartening. And I feel quite sincerely that Arsene Wenger has left himself open for, uh, for some amount of criticism. He has chosen to build his squad in a certain way, And that way has proven, I think, a number of times this season not to be particularly, what's a good word, efficient. Shall we say efficient? Effective might be a better word. And it's more difficult than ever to understand where it is he's coming from. Why it is he's chosen to go in the direction that he's he's gone. I mean, we know it from an overall sense that the, uh, the new stadium has 
has imposed some kind of financial restrictions, but to the point where, let's not forget, in the summer, both Arsene and Danny Fisman said that if that if he wanted £30 million to go and buy a striker, that money would be there for him. So <clears throat> there's been a consistent message, at least that there's money there, but Arsene has chosen not to spend it, to go down this route. And, uh, you know, increasingly I'm finding his decisions difficult to reconcile with logic in my brain. Now, my version of logic and yours and his might be very different things. I think he's open to criticism. I think he's made mistakes. I think in the evidence of those mistakes, he's made more mistakes in January by not trying to do uh, more in, in the transfer window. However, I think some of the uh, vitriol and the bile poured out from various websites and commentators on websites towards Arsene Wenger is completely and utterly over the top. It is hugely disrespectful to a man who has, for the last 12 years, worked tirelessly for Arsenal Football Club, who has brought us great success, great players, great football, incredible moments to a Champions League final. He has, without trying to go down the road of cliches, uh, reinvigorated Arsenal. And people will, critics will say, well, you you know, you talk about Wenger did this for Arsenal, Wenger did that for Arsenal. Yeah, but how long ago was that? It doesn't matter how long ago it was. He did it, right? And I read around many of the blogs, even the fucking shit ones. And on some of those, you find some of the most awful comments about Arsene that completely overlook everything that he's done, that treat him or refer to him in a way that is, I think, out of order. There are very, very many poxy, awful people in football. In the Premier League, for as long as I've been following football, there have been wankers, twats, arseholes, and fuckbags, and there always will be. And for Arsenal fans to label... Our manager, despite his failings, despite his mistakes, to label him in the same way that you would label the worst of the worst of the oppositions, uh, it's just wrong for me. I've read people calling Arsene Wenger a cunt, and not just in a kind of throwaway sort of a way, a proper like he is a fucking cunt kind of a way. And that's just not right, is it? Because, let's face it, football is full of cunts. Sam Allardyce is a cunt. Alex Ferguson is a cunt. John Terry is a cunt. Rio Ferdinand is a cunt. Craig Bellamy is a cunt. David Bentley is a cunt. Ashley Cole is a cunt. Seth Blatter is a cunt. Michel Platini is a cunt. Alan Hansen there's a cunt. Mark Lawrenson, he's a cunt. Cristiano Ronaldo, cunt. Alan Pardew, cunt. Gary Neville, cunt. Phil Neville, cunt. Paul Scholes, cunt. Ryan Giggs, cunt. John Carew, there's a fucking cunt. If you want to talk about cunts, Wayne Rooney, a cunt. Frank Lampard, a cunt. Harry Redknapp, yes, he's a cunt. And Jamie, he's a cunt too. Didier Drogba, he is a cunt. 
Are you trying to tell me that Arsene Wenger is a cunt when all those people are cunts? If you think Arsene Wenger is a cunt when there are so many other cunts that are obviously cunts, then you are the fucking cunt, you cunt. That's my thinking on it. So there. <clears throat> Back in a minute. This is the ass blood culture corner. Get it into you, you giddy bag. Today on the Osblog Culture Corner, we reprise the role of mephitic consumer, driven, possessed by the need to have what those close to us have. A base desire which can only be sated by keeping up, as they say, with the Joneses. But not Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones. My little poem does not hide the fact that his death was caused, most likely, by intense buggery, something the authorities have done well to hide down the years. But I digress. In these times of economic ruination, we reach for that which is most familiar, the atypical security blanket, and this is amply recognized by those who wish to sell us products. Now, the man in the bar reprises his role as jingle singer, bringing to mind the comforting mantle of the 1980s, a time of similar fiscal disquiet, yet one through which we survived and later flourished. You may begin. You do the shaking back and put the freshness back. Do the shaking back and put the freshness back. When your carpet smells fresh, your room does too. Do the shaking back and remember what to do. You do the shaking back and put the freshness back. Do the shaking back and put the freshness back. I have, quite literally, frotted myself into a frenzy. That was the Earth Black Culture Corner. Come back for more next week, you muppet. Uh, right, well, there you go. Now, um, West Ham. We've got a game on Saturday. It's against West Ham, who are playing uh, actually quite well. And scoring goals. Carlton Cole. There was a cinema in Dublin called the Carlton, you know. I went to see Police Academy there many, many years ago. I'm sure he wasn't named after the cinema. Probably not. It's gone now. That's progress, you see. They closed down the cinema. Now you can only go somewhere where they have 12 screens. This only used to have four, maybe five. Probably just four. And there was a big signs outside with letters on the front of the building and everything. Nowadays, it's all computer screens. But that's what you get. Carlton Cole is playing very well for West Ham and West Ham are playing quite well and we've got to do well to beat them because we do need to beat them. There's no real news in terms of the team. No new injuries. But, however, there is some good news. And in these times of crisis, when, as Juno would say to Joxer, and I apologize if you're not up on your Irish literature, uh, the whole country's in a state of chassis. We have to take these small little good things where we can find them. And Mikhail Silvestre is out for two to three weeks. And I think that is something that we should all take a moment on and rejoice, both in our hearts and outwardly. Were there someone here in this room with me now, I would share a moment with them 
I would hug them and say, Sylvester is out for two or three weeks. And then I would compose myself and put it behind me and move on, for that is the kind of guy I am. So West Ham on Saturday, we've got to win this. And then next Tuesday, we've got an FA Cup replay against Cardiff, and we've got to win that too. We've got to start winning games again. And Andre Arshavin, is he going to sign? Is he not? By the next Arscast, we'll know. It seems unlikely. I was given some information which suggested that it's probably not going to happen, which could actually, given the track record that I have, mean that it is going to happen. However, I don't want to suggest that it is going to happen in case I sort of double jinx the whole thing. But we'll see. Transfer window closes on February the 2nd. Can we get our Shavin by then? Who knows? But by this time next week, when we speak on the next Arscast, we will know 100% for sure. Uh, so until then, take it very easy. Uh, I know I am. I'm probably going to lie down on my face for a while. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we beat West Ham. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we uh, beat Cardiff. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that Aston Villa somehow, as a club, contract Ebola or anthrax or diphtheria. Do they have diphtheria meningitis? Distemper. Could they all get distemper? I'm not sure they could. <clears throat> anyway, let's hope for the best for us and the worst for everyone else. Until the next Starscast, I'll talk to you uh, all next week and all weekend on the blog. Take it easy. Bye. Arsenal Football Club today confirmed their record signing. Wilfred Bumstead, a winner, will join from Wellside FC Flange for 18 shilling sixpence. This follows two and a half years of intense negotiations. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, Fuck me, that took fucking ages. Bumstead goes straight into the squad for this weekend's crunch game with Minchheim and Rovers. 